Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello and welcome to the HP Podcast. I'm Ben. With me here today is Brandon. Hello, Brandon. What is up, Ben? What is up, my dude? You know, you know, Brandon, you're rocking a Jacksonville Jaguars hat. This is an OG OG. It really is. OG. Take a look at the symbol. Which side's on? This is the original, the original logo. Yeah. Not the, not the new aged, newfangled type uh, treacherous logo. So Uh, this is back when the, when the pigskin was true. I, I remember that era very well because I lived in Jacksonville when the team started. Oh, yes. And so... It was all the rage, man. Oh. And that the hat's bringing back some memories, yes. good and bad for me. <laughs> Dude, this is multiple hats now that are my father's hats that have had very close relations to Ben between my Kings Island hat yeah. and my Jacksonville Jaguars hat. I think you and my father might be kindred spirits. I have not had way. relations. <laughs> I've not had relations with your father's hats, just to be clear. I, I d- just to be very clear, I'm not a scientist. I was going in a different direction. but Private cool. investigator. Hey, you're the one that brought it up. So ultimately... It sounded a little suspect, but hey, I'm going to let it go. I'm willing to let it go. Okay. Um, I just had some delicious uh, Bussies, a.k.a. Bucky's, the gas station, uh, beef jerky. And it's not just any beef jerky, folks. It is bohemian garlic beef jerky made from solid strips of beef. Yeah. And uh, it was exceptional. They, they actually butcher the cows for that beef jerky right in the middle of Bussies. I was kind of hoping I would see the, the cow's name somewhere on this. So yeah. I could like know what I'm eating, like Lucy the cow or something like, you know, like, I don't know. Right. You always got to have a connection with your food. Um, it, they say that's the healthiest food is the food, you know. Yeah. Yeah, really. Yeah. Um, and you are what you eat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I so guess I'm hoping you could be Lucy. You are a boosie. Yeah. Uh, I'm doing well today. Good. Um, yeah, I'm doing well. I just ate some beef jerky and I had a delicious meal for dinner uh, and I. I can't complain. I'm here talking about games. Yeah. Feeling good, man. Speaking of not being able to complain, Dave, the Canadian, uh, almost seemingly never able to complain, only apologize. Dave, how are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I have nothing to complain about today, but I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, good to talk to you guys. I'm, I'm curious, Brandon, is it was the beef jerky meant to be the dessert or was that just a happy accident? There? No, no, no. Okay. Salted meat is good any time of the day. Yeah. Um, morning, yeah. evening, night, midnight snack, um, criminally overcharged for salted meat for what it actually is. It is really, expensive. you dry the shit out. Yeah. You know, I know meat's expensive, but you dry it out and you put it in a fucking salt brine. That's what you do. It yeah. shouldn't be so goddamn expensive. 
right. it really is absurd honestly yeah. do, you, do you um do you partake in the meats dave like salted cured meats absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah. um i so my wife and i are big on prosciutto Oh, I love a good prosciutto. Uh, but it comes and goes so quick, and it's it's quite expensive. Like, we talk about beef jerky, and um, yeah, I don't know. Beef jerky is sort of the prosciutto of the car trip, I think. Yeah. and yeah, um, But you're right. It, it's it's so expensive, it's a treat. But um, I, di- I did want to bring this up because we, uh, we had an extensive conversation about gas station cuisine before we came on. And one of the things I love to get from gas stations, because they always seem to have a better selection, are different kind of flavors of Coke and Pepsi and stuff. That's true. Oh. I've been on this really weird cherry Coke thing oh, so over the last couple of weeks. So um, and today, when I was at the store before I came home from work, uh, they had Coke Zero Cherry. Yeah. Dude, um, that is fire. It is absolute fire. I, I'm going to disagree li- with you. Oh, I, dude, come oh, on, yeah. dude. It's, it's so, I mean, you know, I've had, I've had the cherry Pepsi. I've had the cherry Coke. And I think you need the, the real sugar taste oh. because the zero, it just kind of tastes like chemicals. This fucking guy. So. And it's wild cherry Pepsi. Thank you. Um, oh, sorry. Only, <laughs> only the OG is snow. Um, but, uh, dude, I lived, I don't even know if I drank any water. For like a year, and this was within the last three years. <laughs> off for, nothing for one year. Off nothing but Coke Cherry or Cherry Coke Zero, dude. It's so good, and I have stopped drinking it. Almost like very rare occasions, I'll get it now because I just like got so used to the taste of it. I was like, this is just how my mouth tastes. Now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm developing kidney stones as we speak. Yeah, um, but hey, listen, worth it. Yeah, I, I have to say, Dave, you're in the minority on this. Uh, not like yeah. I wonder if it's different in Canada. Is I don't know. I, I'm, I'm gladly going to finish this bottle, um, yeah. but yeah, it's uh, I, I would definitely prefer the 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 wild cherry Pepsi or just the regular cherry Coke. Which is weird because like when I go to the movie theaters and they have those Coke dispensers with a million different flavors, oh, yes. the the lime diet Coke is the best. Lime in my diet I always Coke. go for that, but for whatever reason, this Coke Zero cherry whatever is is uh it's not doing it for me never tried it's it's rare and also maybe fabled but i'm almost positive they have a uh coke vanilla zero i rarely see it in gas stations but i think it does exist Mm. um and that is an exceptional flavor yeah um when i was a kid real young i went to like a church camp or something I think it was a church camp. I don't remember a whole lot about it, but the thing I remember is they had the canteen. We could like go and you could get snacks and stuff. And and I would always go uh, with a buddy of mine and we would get uh, wild cherry Pepsi and a, and a Choco Taco. Oof, dude, RIP. RIP Choco Taco. RIP the Choco Taco. But we would, we would go and like right outside the canteen, there was like a fence and it has like the, you know, the little barbs on top of it. Yeah. You know, it's just pokey on the top, and we would shake up our cans of Wild Cherry Pepsi, <laughs> smash them on the top of there, and then just you know, oh, just dude. basically, basically, we were shotgunning dude. Cherry Coke before or Cherry Pepsi before we knew what that was. Stone Cold style diabetes right to the mouth. Yeah, as quick as possible. That's lovely. Yeah, I've never personally had a Choco Taco, but I can mourn something that I've never had. Yeah, um, just because we lost it, we've all lost it in a way. Right. Um, well. You guys want to talk about some video games? Yeah. I kind of don't. I don't know why. There's stuff happening right now, and all of it, I'm like, eh. Yeah. You know when you're just like in an after dark mood? 
Yeah. True. You just want to riff. That, yeah. that is true. Yeah. just kind of want to riff. It's about that time. Well, speaking of that, speaking of riffing, let's start off with this one. EA is reportedly polling fans on Dead Space 2 and 3 remake interest. This comes from Video Games Chronicle, and it says that according to game developer Dylan Rogers, they received a survey asking how interested would you be in a similar remake of Dead Space 2. The survey reportedly asked the same question about Dead Space 3, which was released in 2013. Of course, we know that Dead Space 1, the remake, was released just last month, about a month ago at this point. And uh, this is me. This is me just riffing off these notes. The EA has yet to comment on whether they're going to do more Dead Space remake games. And Dead Space remake developer Motive announced last year that it would be working on a Marvel's Iron Man game. So they asked uh, the creative director what that meant. And he said, for me, what I like is it gives us a lot of traction moving forwards in terms of finishing that game. Personally, I'm a big fan of Dead Space. But for as for the future, I don't know. I cannot speak for the other project, but what I can say is it's not uncommon to have studios with multiple projects, especially in big companies like EA. So, Brandon, you yeah. kind of start. I mean, you started <laughs> yeah, I the Dead Space remake. You never played the original. Right. But I don't know. Do you have enough to say about remaking? Yeah, I mean. More? Have we got the numbers yet? Uh, is I it too early? I think they did come up with some numbers. I have no idea what they were, though. I don't know if they're any good. I'm assuming they were good. It, because... it would have only been like two days worth of right, numbers. So. Right, right the press was all pretty good around this. I mean, I feel like if the numbers are there and the numbers would have to be there, I don't think they would be pulling if the numbers weren't there. I don't think that would make too much sense to me, right? Maybe. Um, No, I think this is a good idea. They certainly did a wonderful job um, based off of what it used to look like. I mean, it's very easy. I'm sure to uh, see old games with rose tinted glasses but if you do a side by side on youtube i'm positive there's one up there it looks amazing and it plays pretty great so i'm i'm about it yeah um it's kind of a double-edged sword though i was recently talking to lauren about this is that like new i i, I don't know i saw a magnum pi commercial mm, right and yeah. i'm like when Wait, there's a new magnum pi yeah and i'm like it's a tv show or some shit and i'm like when do we come up with new shit? Right. <laughs> like, I don't know. As much as I love, you know, kind of re-experiencing some of the old stuff in a new way, and it's really good, and it can be really lucrative, um, there's part of me that can't help but kind of think, I wish these talented people were doing something new. But that being said, if there's money to be made, they will make it, uh, especially EA. So, um I see it happening just because, you know, things like the Resident Evil franchise has been such an amazing hit yeah. with all of their remakes. I mean, it's lucrative. Yeah. C- completely lucrative um, and actually doing it really well. The Resident Evil games have done exceptionally well yeah. um, since coming back out. And the For hype sure. around the newest one, f- 4, yes. um, is huge. Yeah. I see it everywhere. People want it so bad. So yeah. I foresee them continuing this. I really, really do. Um, I just hope it doesn't, you know, take up too much time or resources and they can kind of, you know, get out what needs to be the old stuff and then uh, start bringing in some new. Dave, how do you feel about remakes, both dead space and in general? Um, I think the, the horror genre seems to be perfect for remakes just because it's tough to kind of replicate um, or revisit the feeling you got of a jump scare. But the one way you can do it is kind of by enhancing everything that went into that jump scare. That includes like the visuals, the sound, which is a big one. So 
you know, Brandon kind of mentioned the Resident Evil remakes there. Uh, and now we're starting to see Dead Space. So um, I, I'm with you, Brandon. I do like to see new stuff, but I think the one genre where remakes are 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 a good thing um, is horror because I think they really kind of hit home. So um, I do find it kind of weird, though, that uh, they're choosing to poll people on whether or not like I can just see EA at like an investor meeting in a year from now saying, oh, we're funding this new project because uh, 60% of respondents said they were uh, somewhat interested in, in a sequel to uh, Dead Space Remake. So I don't know. It's I feel like, you know, since since the first one just came out, it would it would make a lot more sense to just go by the numbers. Um, but I I don't know. I, I would. I, this is kind of a weird approach to to decide whether or not you're going to green light a sequel or not. Yeah. 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 I guess I'm sure there's polling with any kind of game like that, but I don't know. It does seem like a weird thing. And I guess as far as new IP and horror goes, I mean, I kind of get why they're. I don't know. That genre is is large, but of all genres, video games, yeah. it's still relatively small. Like horror games are a small sect they of are, the yeah. larger piece of the pie. So I don't know. And I it's don't... probably it's yeah, you're I it's it's probably a much safer bet to remake and go back to the well for something that's proven rather than try to, you know, knock something out of the park with a new IP. Like I mean, we just saw Callisto Protocol. Um Shinji Mikami was sort of in the limelight recently with Hi-Fi Rush and he's leaving the studio and even um, The Evil Within. I mean, that that was a pretty well-received series, but I don't know that it sold all that well. So um, I don't know. New horror IP seems to be a tough sell. So it, it sort of just seems like a, a safer bet to remake something if there's enough people to kind of buy into it. But Right. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't. Th- I understand why they would be curious about the remake, about remaking further ones, instead of making new games. Because I, I'm sure the new Dead Space, you know, I'm sure the game would have been good on its own merit, but it had not been a remake. I don't know that it would have sold. Right, like it, it could have been as good as any other game and not sold as well, just because it's a horror game in 2023. You also have expectations of a remake, like. Y- it it only still relatively fits in the same box and it's like that's why people are coming back yeah um and if a if if the dead space remake was standing completely by itself and we had no previous knowledge would people would we see headlines that say like feels kind of old looks really good you know yeah. you know mm-hmm. what i mean i don't know so well moving on to something you guys are going to have to talk about cuz i know very little about it elden ring Ooh. From Software says today in Japanese, uh, I'm not going to read the Japanese, but here's what. Come on. Man. I don't know how. I'm sorry. Here's what Twitter translates it as DLC Shadow of the Erd Tree for Elden Ring is under development. The follow up report is still a little ahead, but I would appreciate it if you could look forward to it. Uh, that's not. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's just because it was. I know. I love it. Translation, I don't even but, care. Um, Dave. Are you ready to jump back in for more Elden Ring? Or are you done? Are you totally out? If, now? It, if it came out today, no. But yeah. Um, yeah, I loved Elden Ring. Now, I'd be a little apprehensive, and and Brandon, I'm assuming you've got a little bit more experience with the with the uh, FromSoft DLC than I do. But from what I understand, they generally save the hardest content for DLC. I don't know if that's <laughs> if that is always the case, or if it's going to be the case with Elden Ring. 
um, Shadow of the Earth Tree. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought Elden Ring was just right. But it could still, you know, if it is uber hard, that's okay. Because, I mean, the way Elden Ring works with its open world sort of whatever, like if something's really hard, you can leave and get better and come back. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, maybe I would be a little bit more open to Elden Ring DLC than I than I initially thought. But, yeah, this is cool. I, I, I suspect we're going to get a full announcement on this at summer games fest or something around there. And then I have no idea when it's coming out, but yeah, it's exciting stuff. This is going to be, this is going to be good. Brandon. Absolutely. You are correct. Um, a lot of the DLC uh, bosses, whether it be bloodborne um, or uh, the old hunters in bloodborne or like ashes of Arendelle, DS three, they have contained some of the more difficult bosses period. Um, that does seem to be a little bit of a running theme. Now everyone can argue what they want about how difficult bosses are, but that's my take. And I and I've seen that that take online as well. So you you are correct there, Dave. Um, very excited about this. The Shadow of the Erd Tree, fantastic. Um, not really much to go off of, and the title is kind of ambiguous. Yeah. Um, but. I'm super excited to see more because the last Elden Ring DLC I've not even popped into. I'm such a poser, but I'm not really <laughs> a, a PvP kind of guy. I've been meaning to hop back in. I just, you know, post PC Brandon hasn't really dipped back in quite yet. I've been kind of preoccupied with new games, but um, this is great. We all knew it was coming. Uh, and I'm excited to see how they push the envelope and take all of the criticisms they got and kind of push it forward because Elden Ring by no means is a perfect game, um, but it's pretty damn close, um, at least for me. So I'm excited to see how they take what they've learned um, and what they've learned from the past and what they've learned from what people said about Elden Ring um, and just kind of propel that forward. I'm hoping a variety of landscapes and enemies is introduced as well. So uh, yeah, we'll see. We will see. And you are correct, Dave. I mean, even if it is super hard, you can absolutely cheese the fuck. If if you are willing to put in the time, <laughs> you can be level 99 on everything. Um, but uh, yeah, really looking forward to that. It's been a while. Um, well, what was it? March came out. Yeah. So it's so it's almost March, a um, March of last year. Yeah. Yeah. So it's almost a year since it's been out. Um, it feels like a lifetime ago. Um, I sunk so much time in such a little amount of time relatively uh, into that game. So really looking forward to more, uh, to be honest with you. Nice. Fashion Souls. I was trying to remember there for a second if I had already asked Dave about it, what he thought, and I did. <laughs> but I couldn't remember, Dude, and I didn't want to skip them. Right. I'm excited for the new fits. Oh, yeah. And the new hammers and the new giant swords. I'm a heavy boy. I'm a strength boy. I'm not no dex filth. <laughs> I'm not no dex filth, my man. Uh, power I, stance, power stance, power stance. I am way more. I mean, I have very little experience in that game compared to either of you two, but I am way more a um, a power. Like, I just want to blast through things. Smash. Yeah. Bunga. Smash. Yeah. Ooga booga. Which means I die a lot, too, by the way. Oh, dude, it's I love and I'm glad there's actually a term for this. I am a glass cannon in every game I play. It doesn't matter like at my own 
behest to like i yeah. will die almost instantly but i want to be able to explode and send shrapnel everywhere every time i attack like <laughs> i i want to be a force to reckon with when i actually can hit you yeah you guys know uh, anything about sons of the forest a bit actually i'm i'm glad you brought this up this week because i'm considering buying this well according to end night games end night game on uh on twitter they said hey everyone Thanks to thanks to those who have joined us in our early access journey into Sons of the Forest. We have sold over 2 million copies in the first 24 hours and are very excited for what we have in store for players in the coming weeks. Signed the team in night. This was February 24th, so four days ago. Brandon, you're saying you're familiar. I yeah. know almost nothing about this game. Well, so a couple things. Give some background. They stood us up at PAX. Is that them? They stood us up at PAX. It's the forest. It's the same people. This oh. Is, th- this is the sequel to the forest. Okay. It's called okay. The Sons of the Forest. Yep. Um, they stood us up at PAX. Well, they're banned from the room. <laughs> on the show. Actually, what let's move on. About <laughs> Next segment, we're not talking about it. Doesn't matter if they sold two million. Um, I got a couple complaints with this game. Um, it's still in early access, which is complete bullshit. Um just I I have such a problem with early access. Especially- Wait, just a clarification. Is this the same game as The Forest? No, it's the sequel. It's a sequel. It's okay, the okay. Sons of the Forest. I, I thought yeah. so, but I was going to make Yeah, sure. and there's like, there are notable improvements, right? There's like, a, there's like um, friendlies that can help you, uh-huh. if you if you can't have a party. And there's like a fucking four-legged lady who you can give a gun. I don't know. It's real fucking weird. The yeah. game is weird. It's about you get crashed on an island or some shit and it's full with fucked up cannibals that have fingers for eyes and dicks mm-hmm. and shit. Um, <laughs> okay. But um, it's in the forest yeah. um, in their sons. Uh, but this game looks really cool. Uh, survivalist. Um, ultimately, ideally played with other people. I was explaining it to Lauren as like Ark Survival Evolved, like that kind of environment where like it's, you can play it by yourself. Mm-hmm. It's just not nearly as fun. It's like grounded, like all of that. Like certainly you can play by yourself. Sure. But, it's going to be way fucking harder. Yeah. <laughs> you know, chopping down wood to try and fucking build a base. Right. Um, but this game looks interesting. I don't love that it's an early access just simply because of how long they've been working on this. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's a really easy way to kind of cop out. And uh, maybe, well, it seems like they're masters of copying out since they stood us well, up at PAX. Exactly. Uh, to kind of give the player <laughs> less. Exactly. Uh, to kind of give the player less. Um, and make them expect less when you should just do more. I don't know. It sounds really weird for me to say it that way, but like, I don't know. I feel like I've seen some weird things about the development of this game. Ultimately, I am interested, though, yeah. having all of this said. Um, if I had anybody to play it with, I would probably already be playing it. And it is only $30 right now. I don't mm. know if they plan on um, giving it a full price at release or not. But I was considering buying in early. Yeah. Um, it certainly has pulled some insane numbers on Twitch that I've seen recently. Um, and there's been a lot of hype around it. Um, just a, a, a very interesting mm. um, game indeed. I don't know if you guys know anything about it all. It doesn't seem like anybody does. But Well, I need to go back to the PAX thing. Uh, was this an appointment you were supposed to have with them? I don't remember the context, whether... I. <sighs> I can't remember if we scheduled an appointment or we asked them. I'm pretty sure we asked them and they were like, yeah, no. Well, that's not standing us up. I mean, do you know us? Do you see us? <laughs> ben, listen, I'm going to take offense to it. Even if I shouldn't, I'm taking offense. Well, there to have it. been several people, and I know we're getting off topic, but there have been several 
people in the four or five years we've gone to PAX that have like scheduled an appointment in advance, multiple weeks, and then just not showing up for it. All right. So they didn't show us, they didn't stand us up, but it, it kind of felt like it. They kind of just were like, no, fuck you. Oh, um, okay. And, you know, back then, I mean, obviously the forest has been around for a while and it does have like a cult following from what I understand. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, But uh, I didn't really think like, they were going to say that to us. I right. mean, I, <laughs> we got into some other booths that were like, wow, this is fantastic. I can't believe they want to have us come in and play their shit. Yeah. And then they're like, yeah, no. <laughs> so it just was kind of, uh, there was some dissonance there, but um, this game looks really cool. I encourage you guys to at least look at it. It does have a little bit of like open world jankiness to it. Like some of these survival, like Ark does Ark super janky. Yeah. It kind of, I don't have Vin Diesel though. So. Yeah. I don't know how to describe the type of jank that it has. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it just looks super fun to be honest with you. Just the whole like community aspect, right? Really genuinely. I don't think it would be half as fun with when you're not playing with somebody else. Um, but this game did introduce a new mechanic to like, um, you can kind of command AI to do shit for you. Like, hey, go fucking get wood Yeah, if you don't have any friends. Right. Uh, so. Uh, Dave, as someone with no friends, are you, just, are you interested in Sons of the Forest? <laughs> um, not really. I, I did spend some time watching it. Uh, some people play it on Twitch. And yeah, I mean, the first thing that jumped out at me branded was it uh it did look a bit janky and and hey there's the cop out it's 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 okay if it's janky because that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying is a cop out but and and, you know that's fine but at some point it's like if if everything's suddenly in early access now it and there there is a lot that launches in early access it, it just gets a little gets a little old but i don't know it's this is the kind of game where it's like your first impression of it could be bad, but if suddenly your friends are into it, then mm-hmm. that barrier to entry is there. So, or sorry, gone. So I don't know, Brandon. If if you uh, if you take if you venture the first step into the Sons of the Forest and you like it, then I'll be there with you, buddy. Damn, dude. Also, I it's it's only out on PC right now, just because it is early access. They did have a full release on PS4 um, for the Forest, and I'm assuming at some point there will be a PlayStation Five um, port, but I. I can't say for certain. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think it was exceptionally later uh, than the PC version. Well, I'm know, looking so. here, and three of my friends already own this game on Steam. Yeah, dude. So it's, we, uh, it's weird. The we menu probably s- would have people to play with. I know the menu system's weird, and like it's the whole like you know how we went into Minecraft and we like like it felt like you were building towards something, yeah, and you were like you know building your encampment and making it fortified uh from from cannibals and like making traps and shit it has that vibe sure which is which is really rewarding in and of itself and i i feel kind of slighted for never never having that experience in a game like arc or something Mm -hmm. but maybe this is the game maybe this is the game so and it's kind of creepy the cannibals look really fucked up just google some of their photos it's kind of cool there's like finger tendril monsters and stuff so i mean that's that's one of my kinks is figure monsters. I knew that about you. Yeah. Um. According to repbit.com, PlayStation Plus propelled Deep Rock Galactic even further into closing into mainstream, Ghost Ship Game CEO says. Deep Rock Galactic, an indie co-op shooter which features badass space dwarves shooting up hordes of enormous insects in procedurally generated caves, might have flown under the radar if it weren't for PlayStation Plus, said Soren Lundgaard. Lundgaard, CEO of Ghost Ship Games, during the latest earnings call for its parent company, Embracer Group. 
We broke all our records on player numbers and revenue, Lundgaard said, regarding Deep Rock Galactic Season 1 release. It surpassed our 1.0 release and paved the way for where we are today with Deep Rock. Deep Rock Galactic first appeared on PlayStation Plus, Sony's video game subscription service last year, and according to Lundgaard, quickly drew the interest of players in the multiple millions who not only showed player engagement, but purchased the cosmetic DLCs as well. Already two months later, we took advantage of this on the PlayStation Plus deal. We entered in the PlayStation Plus and very, very fast. 10 million players claimed the game, started playing, enjoyed new seasonal content, bought the cosmetic DLCs, and just had a really good time together. And this propelled the Deep Rock Galactic IP even further into closing into the mainstream. In their 2022 year in review, Ghost Ship Games revealed that the game's average number of players for 2022 was 113,700. God damn. The average number of players per month was 827,000. Deep Rock Galactic is also available on Game Pass. So when the information becomes available as to how Game Pass affected it, we'll update accordingly. Did I hear a rock? Did you say Did I hear a rock and stone? <laughs> Did you say it it is on Game Pass or it was on It I is, it is it on, on Game Pass. The, it is. Still. That's the only way I'm playing it. I'm playing oh, it on okay. PC on Game Pass. I haven't bought it. Yeah, I'm just every time I've played it. Can it's you just PC. buy it? Well, you played on you played it on PlayStation. Well, I'm saying how I'm playing because there's not cross progression. Right, right. The only the only how I'm playing it on Xbox, on my Xbox or on my PC is on game pass right so yeah you could just straight up buy it i considered it um i think it's like 30 bucks or something still you can buy a 60 dollar version 30 40 bucks um but yeah i've been playing it on game pass so man i'm so excited this this is good i was one of the one of the ogs yeah i got one of the one of the uh original cosmetics for being like one of the founders on playstation Mm -hmm. really proud of that um man this is just a great game you're really proud you downloaded the free game and <laughs> dude, I'm happy for them. I like this game, <laughs> dude. Credit where credit's due. Brandon, uh, it, all three of us started playing on PlayStation Plus. I know you guys are on PC and an Xbox and all that now, but Brandon got it on PS Plus. He told us about it, and that's how we popped yeah. our our Deep Rock Galactic Cherry. So popped your Carl. We did it for Carl. <laughs> we yeah. did it all for Carl. When you go to the bank now, Brandon, and, and they're like, hey, what can I help you with today? Do you just go, oh, I've got their deposit. <laughs> <laughs> We're rich. We're rich. Oh, Such dude. a good game. Yeah, this is, this is, they, we've talked in length about this game, but this is really good news to hear. Um, was this a recent statement? When was that article published? Uh, this article was published five days ago. No shit. Good for them. I'm really no, happy. Brandon, I'm just reading six month old news for Hey fun. shit. I don't know, man. Yeah. It's 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 feel good. I'm about it. I don't even care if it was three years old. Fuck it. But um, they, maybe that's the I mean, we just finished talking about like early access. So I don't know. Maybe I and I I, I realize that not every indie game or smaller title is gonna have the opportunity to be a, a PlayStation Plus game of the month, but I mean, other smaller developers and publishers have got to be looking at this and saying, you know, maybe we launch in in an early access, work out the kinks, get everything going. And then when the time is right, if they could have the opportunity to kind of, you know, get people into the into the ecosystem and playing the game like it's done so well. And you got to think there's probably other games out there that are just as good that people just don't know about. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, good for them. Good yeah, and I'm just hoping and praying that this someday means cross play. Just yeah. just 
with the perfect success, I am positive this has to be on their radar. Like it has to be. I haven't been on the subreddit active on the subreddit for a bit now, but I'm positive there has to be people out crying about this. Um, they're saying the average concurrent playership, I assume across all platforms, is over a hundred thousand. That's better than most games. Yeah, that's that's got. They I got, think that's more than Call of Duty's on some weeks on Steam. Probably, but I that's, wonder that what it was. Steam free ps plus well ps plus they did only two months after it actually released so i'd say that it probably oh like after full release yeah so the game came out and then two months later it was on ps plus subscription service i think, I it, think was, it came out in in early access in early access PS plus, yeah, yeah. On, on pc i think yeah oh, okay i think it said um, it was it first appeared I, I could be totally wrong here but, but yeah um, that's what I thought too, Dave. But um, yeah, man, this is good news. I'm one of the people that bought the cosmetics. I said before, I don't really buy this sort of thing. But when a company presents you with a package, and that's the key, Dave, to what you said about things being in early access and ironing out the kinks, is the package, the full package has to be there. Yeah. And they've added stuff since launch, since lots of stuff. PlayStation Plus, lots of stuff. But the key to the success of this game was having a good product from the start. A good base, let's mm-hmm. say that. So I think that's really the takeaway from this um, is that they got an awesome opportunity with PlayStation Plus, um, but that opportunity wouldn't mean anything if the game wasn't what it was. Right. So, yep. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Warner Brothers CEO says Mortal Kombat 12 is coming this year, Brandon. Dude, that's, Cor- I can't believe that. Go According ahead. to VideoGamesChronicle.com, speaking during the call, Warner Brothers Discovery CEO David Zaslov mentioned the previously unannounced sequel by name and claimed it would be released this year. There's lots more to come, including the highly anticipated Mortal Kombat 12 and Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. Games are also set for release this year with ambitious launch projections. The latest game in the series, Mortal Kombat 11, was released in 2019 with a DLC expansion called, called Aftermath. And holy cow, this page just like skipped to the bottom. Um, anyway, that's really all the story is, yeah. Brandon. And so cheer the Mortal Kombat guy oh, here. Dude, that's exciting. I wasn't expecting this because in the past, Nether Realm, Nether Realms have um, have kind of done one on one off almost yeah i honestly uh expected to see an injustice game come down the pipeline i don't know if people are trying to stay away from superheroes post avengers uh fallout or Mm -hmm. something um but no this is good news uh mortal kombat 11 in 2019 was an absolute fucking banger from start to finish visually technically um and just from a gameplay and story uh element um, so really looking forward to the next iteration. Um, I'm assuming just based on the massive leap in quality uh, in Mortal Kombat 11 that it's going to be kind of similar. And I could already foresee some criticisms being uh, shaped around that. 
Um, I'm sure it's going to look a little better on next gen. Um, but that being said, they have next gen patches for 11. So, um, yeah, this is good news. Either, either way you cut it, um, would love to have seen them kind of put the treatment into a different IP like injustice Mm -hmm. that they put the care into 11 but hey, more Mortal Kombat is more Mortal Kombat, uh, and I don't really care what it is. I'm just eager to try it out. Yeah. So, Dave, you're not much of a fighting game guy, are you? I'm not. No. All right then. Moving on. I did. I did. Uh, <laughs> I did actually watch a video uh, the other night. I love top tens, and one of them oh, was yeah. uh, top ten outrageous DLCs, and they brought up the one from Mortal Kombat 11 where you could buy easy fatality tokens oh yeah dude yeah they monetized it and a l- it was a little scummy it wasn't like insane though there were many ways to achieve cosmetics um and to be honest with you the character design is so good that i never felt like i needed to do that sort of thing but yeah yeah the the easy fatality kind of seemed like beside the point right. <laughs> of the entire mechanic but that's okay Dave, this one is for you. It comes you. from, sorry, it comes from Kotaku. It says, last year, Ubisoft's ambitious sci-fi multiplayer adventure Beyond Good and Evil 2 surpassed Duke Nukem Forever's dubious record for having the longest development time of any video game. Last week, staff at the Ubisoft Montpelier were informed their managing director was no longer with the company. It comes as a, as the studio faces a labor investigation by local government authorities over an unprecedented number of developers experiencing burnout and going on sick leave. Ubisoft Montreal has been working on Beyond Good and Evil 2 in some way, shape, or form for over a decade now. (laughs) The follow-up to the original 2003 cult hit starring photojournalist Jade has turned into one of the most notoriously beleaguered productions at Ubisoft and in the games industry in in general. Now, with the game still not even technically in full production, it faces a personnel shakeup among its core team and an investigation by the uh, Inspection de Treville in Montpellier, France, according to three sources familiar with development who wish to remain anonymous because they were not authorized to speak about it. So aside from all the the in-house studio stuff, I mean, I guess actually that's kind of intrinsically tied with it. I remember, I don't know, four, three or four years ago, Dustin made a video about what's ha- what happened like what where where is beyond good and evil 2 and it's still it's much ha- longer and we still have no idea where it is so dave your beloved ubisoft why are they taking so long to put out games um yeah i mean there, there's no way this game has been an active development for that much like how no. how many copies does a game need to sell to turn a profit if it's been an active development for 10 years and then what like happened that something like is ken levine working on this game it's just i don't know man like i want to see the if if this game it does come out like i want to see the 30 for 30 on this because it's i don't know it just cancel it like yeah if, if if something hasn't been canceled like it can still be dead right and when stuff like this happens you kind of just want to jump to the conclusion and say like i don't care about beyond good and evil i assume there are people out there who do and when they hear news like this they're like fuck this is really disappointing but like just cancel it already (laughs) it's it's we I, i don't know it's been four years since we had a trailer and and I remember seeing that trailer, and again, I, I don't really have a horse in the race when it comes to this franchise, but 
um, I remember seeing that trailer and it was a very much like we are still here. This game is still coming kind of trailer. It's like if you're going to put something like that out there, like you better deliver. (laughs) Right. So I I don't know. Just just cancel it already. Just just kill it. Yeah. It just just kill it. (laughs) Brendan, are you excited? Uh, I mean, I shouldn't say excited. Uh, Are you interested? I don't think anyone's excited anymore. They're more just anxiously waiting yeah um but i don't know (laughs) the trailer was uh, interesting to say the least i'm not a beyond good and evil fan Mm -hmm. by any stretch of the imagination but um uh, my relationship with ubisoft mixed with an incredibly maybe one of the most concerning tales of a development not even having known much about it, just the sheer numbers that are racking up on the board here and, and, and viewing it in that sense um, doesn't seem good. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with Dave. I feel like at some point you just have to bite the bullet. Um, I think genuinely Ubisoft probably thought this was something, this was going to be the next Resident Evil 4. It was going to be the next Dead Space or the next you know, remake of some sort. We're going to regenerate this uh, old beloved franchise, but instead they managed to uh, bastardize and ruin many people's lives in the process. Um, And the game's still not here. So it's just very strange. I have no uh, understanding of why they have not decided to kill this beast by now. Um, But there's no good that's going to come of it. I'm absolutely positive. And if there is... I guess I'll just have to eat my shorts. Well, will you have ketchup on them or <laughs> if I have to? Okay. Dave, you sent me an article right before the show about AI specifically talking about Gran Turismo and I have not had a chance to read it. So why don't you take it away? Sure. Um, should I do this uh, Ben style and, you know, read the first little bit? Uh, Absolutely. Okay. It depends on if you want to or not. Uh, um, you, you got me off spot here, but uh, on the spot, anyways, you know what? I'm just gonna paraphrase it, riff it. as it were, because that's the go. word of the day. That's um, yeah, so um, Gran Turismo 7 just had a pretty big update come out last week. Uh, I think the headline piece of this update was uh, the VR mode, which of course is was one of the cornerstones of of PlayStation VR two. And, uh, I don't know what, what, what about you guys, but I've heard nothing but good things about, uh, Gran Turismo seven in VR. And I've actually seen a lot of people say, um, I can't go back to just playing on a wheel or controller. So that's pretty impressive for, yeah. for a SIM game like that. But one of the other pieces that came with this update was, um, among other things like new tracks and cars was, uh, Gran Turismo Sophie is her name, S-O-P-H-Y. Um, now, this was this isn't new. This was announced um, when um, before the game came out, but it's finally here. This is an AI that you can race against, and it's it's different from like the stock vanilla AI that you get in the game because it's a lot more advanced. Um, the AI actually um, learns. Um, not only the track and not only, um, you know, different conditions and stuff like that, but more it learns the way that you race. And you can actually see in real time um, how Sophie is reacting to things that you and other racers are doing uh, on the track. So base VI or AI just kind of like knows how to drive a track really, really well. 
And then when another car comes up against them, they will react. But what Sophie does is she learns and it's, it's not a marketing thing. Like if you get a chance to, to watch a little bit of footage of this AI, it's incredible. Like it is the way this thing attacks and defends corners. It's like you're playing against a, a real human being. And, you know, the last little while chat GPT has been a, a, a big topic of conversation. And, and, and the article that um, kind of prompted us to talk about this is really like, well, what does this mean for AI and gaming? So yeah, I don't know. If you have a chance to, to kind of check out what this is, it, it's it seems pretty revolutionary and a little bit scary because yeah. this this like some of the top drivers in the world are, are looking at this and kind of thinking like this is a tough car to beat. Um, just yeah, and it, it's crazy to watch it and think this isn't a person. This is an actual AI like learning and reacting and stuff. Right. So can they um, put it on like a brand new track and it works just fine? Yeah, so it it can learn any track, and, and the as I said, like the track isn't even the 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 important part. It's who she's racing against, and right. even once, like if you if I think one of the modes that is in there now is called race together. So you can race against uh, Sophie in four different tiers of uh, races, starting from beginner all the way up to expert, and um, like they're short races by but by the end of the first lap, like the things that like Sophie has picked up on the way you attack corners and where she can kind of find the gaps and stuff like that. Like it's pretty crazy. So yeah, um, dude. And I was talking to you about this before the show a little bit, Dave, is that the AI was something they now correct me if I'm wrong. I I feel like they kind of showed it off prior to this new, (laughs) this new uh, iteration of, uh, of machine driving. Um, so to speak. And, you know, games have always kind of toyed with this. The newest iteration of Call of Duty, as this article mentions, tries to talk about how it's kind of had to have its hand in this sort of thing. But this is something completely different because it takes, you know, an aspect of the learning, which is not something that we've really seen too much or hasn't been in the forefront of the conversations around the way we interact with the artificial intelligence. So this is just something completely completely crazy um and super cool and i would love to see you know an entire racetrack filled with the gt professionals versus sophie um and i'm sure we're gonna see it i'm positive based on the marketing it's soon to come if it's not already out there already um but yeah this is just really cool and kind of i don't know I'm excited to see how this sort of thing continues to play out, whether it's a driving game or otherwise uh, in video games, because I foresee quickly um, as we advance with artificial intelligence um, in many facets of society, even in the past three years, things have really blown up with the way um, computers have managed to interact with humans. (laughs) So uh, this is just super cool to see in a video game, especially with something as competitive uh, and sim-like. Uh, as a game like this so really really neat um, that they continue to push the envelope in this sort of way so i'm increasingly interested in ai stuff in video games it kind of scares me in other realms and not like i'm worried you know it's going to take over and kill us all which is totally possible and at that point i can't control it so i'm not worried about it but it's interesting to me in, in the sense of video games and also content creation about it because like literally there are companies that like do YouTube coaching 
that are pushing like their AI that they've made to hone in on your YouTube channel. And you can type in like a prompt and it'll give you a script for a video. And of course, you know, you still have to fact check things and still and stuff, but like eventually you won't. Right. But also in video games, like how much of the experience of playing a game is about like there is a sense of you need to be able to have a little bit of repetition to understand how things are going to work a little bit and that you know like the original donkey kong we've come a long way since then but like if you know where the barrels are going to come down the ramp that donkey kong is throwing them down and mario's climbing up you know where the barrels are coming down it's predictable if it's totally random and it's ai learning there's literally no way you can beat it now that's a very old (laughs) example but like if you get to the point where AI is so good that it competes at such a high level, at what point can you no longer compete? Yeah. And so I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. I like, I like seeing it expanded and I think there's a lot of cool opportunities, but also I'm like, but, but for what at, at a certain point? Yeah. It's, this is obviously not there yet, but yeah, I, it really changes the use of that word AI because I mean, we, we use, when we talk about video games, we, we talk about AI, mm-hmm. but like, you know, you talk about Donkey Kong, um, Elden Ring. Uh, there, there's a there's a, a game, and from software games are known for their difficulty. But like, what do you see a month or two after launch of these games? Is people beating the hardest bosses in the game with like nothing but a dagger and a loincloth? And the reason they're able to do that is because all they've done is memorize the the boss cadences and the patterns because they know that that is a uh, a program that is is programmed to like when you're this close to the boss it's going to do this attack when you're this far away it's going to do this attack right and it's got this many iframes so all, you, all all it's doing is reacting to you but what happens when that starts learning right. and reacting to what you're doing right um so yeah and, it's it's crazy to think about yeah <laughs> it, really it is, is pretty crazy also there's like is it a stretch to say it's learning though hmm no. But listen, but listen though. Yes. Is the no. only reason it's learning is because it was programmed to in quotes learn from input that it's getting from you. Is that it learning? Because it was programmed I don't know. That that's a different debate to have because I I talked about this a, maybe a month or two ago about how people will take non 60 frame a second videos like old Disney movies and make them 60 frames a second with AI learning. And it completely fucks with the integrity of the original piece because it was never meant. And there's frames that aren't existent and it's a part, it's not a part of the original thing. So I don't know. That's so interesting. This sort of thing boggles my mind, man. Uh, And I love seeing it. It is a little bit scary. I agree with you, Ben. Yeah. Um, But I want to see it implemented more in video games just because it can come up with experiences that we've never had and take something like GT that is already a fine and excellent experience and kind of just push the envelope of that really through the roof uh, in a way that's kind of unexpected. Yeah. Okay, Brandon, you wanted to talk a little bit and maybe I think it's going to turn into a larger conversation about showcases, but I did not really watch the the direct last week, the PlayStation direct, um, because I was in the midst of travel and, right. you know, dealing with other yeah. people and stuff like that. Um, but you watched some of the trailers and yeah. I know Dave did too. Uh, how are you feeling? What, what's, what piqued your interest, if anything? Oh man, uh, it, it was an interesting showcase. We talked last week about how they kind of it felt like they were setting expectations, which I feel like is a, a new common thing with these yeah. <laughs> showcases is like, Hey, we're going to have a showcase instead of just waiting and 
giving our best stuff all in one showcase, we're going to kind of let you know that it might be a little bit disappointing, but um, it was okay. Um, overall, um, I watched, I think almost all of the trailers, some of the Naruto shit I wasn't really interested in. Um, and the street fighter stuff looked fine. Um, but a lot of PSVR, which is unsurprising based on the timeline of how things have kind of shaken out here. Um, Dave, uh, and I and Ben have all kind of talked about how the value for PSVR two seems to kind of be in question here. Um, you know, coming up to launch, um, but with the introduction of the GT Sport, um, you know, people are talking pretty highly of it. And some of the trailers looked interesting, um, but I'm just going to say it if nobody else will. VR games do not showcase well. They yeah. don't. They, yeah. look, they look like shit. There is no way to showcase a VR game that I've seen to date to make it look cool. It looks like shit. It, may, it makes the game look bad. It's so much different when you're in there and you have a sense of scale. It's night and day difference. I cannot explain to you, um, if you've never tried VR, how different it is to actually be in it. But looking at it just on your TV screen, it looks kind of unimpressive, mm-hmm. just to be completely honest. Um, Baldur's Gate looked interesting. Um, looks like very complicated um, Dungeons and Dragons type experience. Um, in the Justice League, something that I've talked extensively about um we got a a much deeper dive i think it was like a six or seven minute um gameplay trailer and uh i was a little little disappointed i think um it looked really cool uh visually i will say that it looked intriguing um but I can't claim this uh opinion as my own but i 100 percent agree with it i saw it online is that every single person has it gone? It's just a third-person shooter. That's what the game is. It's a third-person shooter. At least that's what the trailer looked like. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of disappointing. You have such an interesting cast of characters. Um, I feel like there has to be different ways. You know, Harley Quinn's legendary baseball bat. Um, you have a literal shark fucking man who, instead of doing anything shark-related or <laughs> visceral or biting, he has a fucking Gatling gun. Yeah. So... I'm not saying there's not room for that or that we might not have seen. We might not have seen everything. I'm positive we haven't seen everything to that game. But just from the get, I'm like, man, this looks cool. But I feel like I already know what kind of game this is going to be. Very heavy third person shooter. Uh, The mobility does look cool. And I guess heavy isn't the right word. Um, But I mean, that was really the highlights. Overall, there were some stuff that it was very uninteresting to me. Some of the games looked kind of shitty to be completely honest with you. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I don't even think there was anything that exceptionally stood out to me. I mean, we consider not even really talking that much about it. I feel like we've talked so much about VR. It was kind of interesting to dip our toes in there. Um, but Dave, do you have any thoughts about it? Well, Dave, Dave said something earlier. Yeah. Dave said something earlier that I think is really, on the nose about it, uh, contractual obligations. Yeah. I, I can't claim that as an original thought. It was, it was, it came from, um, a push square article. So I didn't read, I didn't watch the, uh, the showcase. I just read an article about it after the fact. And, uh, based on what I took from the article, I didn't really miss much, but it was more this idea that, um, some of these directs are starting to feel less like let's put exciting, footage and products out there that's that people are going to get amped about but more we have a contractual obligation to have an event focused around a game that we paid for 
um, console exclusivity. So I don't or know. Or at least it's, advertising exclusive, marketing exclusivity. Yeah, and it's 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 so uneven because I mean, Ben, you brought up a good point where it's like you know it, it's there's that recency bias. So we could feel that way about the Sony one, but uh, the Microsoft one just before that with Hi-Fi Rush and and Redfall, people love that. So um, these directs can be so uneven. Um, but you know, I think the, it's, I, I don't know if you can do a good job at tempering expectations because anytime you, you allot an hour long sort of period to just kind of talk about stuff, that's going to be a surprise. People are going to get excited. So I, I don't think you can, you can ever temper expectations, but I don't know, is too much, uh, of, of a good thing, a bad thing. It kind of seems like it might be going that way. Um, with some of these directs yeah Yeah, i i think they're in a hard spot because they do have to have these i'm sure that that's part of the contract contractual obligation for the marketing rights and whatnot but they have to have them and we've gone so many years with like oh wow they did a a surprise thing at the end of it and then now we're getting to the point where it's they're like look we're only going to show you this and most of the time that's true and then sometimes they pop out something surprising or, or shadow drop something and you're like Whoa, that was crazy. And then the next time you're expecting that again, but they just go back to what they were doing before. So like it's hard. I understand that's hard for them to strike a balance, but also I'm like, I mean, people literally plan their weeks around these people, you know, knock off work for half an hour so they can check them out. People plan content and stuff around them. And I'm not sure unless it's really worth it. And maybe these, maybe there is, you know, telemetry that shows that these sell more games or that they, drive pre-orders or whatever it just doesn't feel like it to me because everybody i talk to is like yeah whatever it was another another ad and uh i get that advertising is what sells things but i don't know yeah they, they just don't i don't i'm not there for them most of the time I'm, yeah. the hype isn't as strong with me as it used to be about anything in fairness but right. especially about these showcases yeah. and it all looks fine, I'm sure, and they do the best they can. But I will say something as someone who has said openly many times uh, that they're not really too interested in VR. There was one VR game of all the ones I did not give a fuck about, and it was a game called Synapse. Mm, yeah. Visually, it looked the best. It had a good art style, and it's a like telekinetic shooter. Yeah. Um so definitely getting some very light uh super hot vibes just visually from that. Um You're right about VR games not showing well. I was saying to you before the show like if you if you're a small indie VR game and there are plenty of them out there and you can't manage to get anyone to review your game, you're not going to sell. No. Because VR is all about the experience. And even if you're someone who like if you don't have the experience then you have to have someone tell you about it. And if you aren't, if your game isn't getting enough reviews and people aren't telling people about it, then it's so hard to move those products. And I almost feel like there should be a, even if it's a 10 minute trial, it would be worth developers time to spend the extra money to make a 10 minute demo right? to put out. Because I'm somebody who, if a, if I can't see what someone else has said about a VR game, there's a pretty good chance I'm not buying it. Right. Yeah. So... I guess this is good. This is exactly what we asked for. More VR, bringing more value um, to the PlayStation VR. Um, That being said, still kind of lackluster as it goes. You kind of said it, Ben. I mean, I don't know. I feel like nowadays 
it's always kind of disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know, unless there's something huge, these events end up just being like, yeah, whatever. Um, and I agree with you. I Part of me just wishes they would save things for a big blowout. I would much rather sit for an hour and a half and have an amazing blow my socks off fucking show. Um, maybe I'm in the minority there. Um, but yeah, it was fine. It was fine, I guess. I don't know. Well, since we're kind of talking about VR, let's move into what we've been playing because literally since the last episode, I've been um, working and then out of town and just got back. And the only thing I might have played like an hour of Hogwarts. I can't remember for sure. Last like last Tuesday night after the show recorded. But other than that, the only thing I've played is one race in GT7 in VR. There you go. Um, A person who came to the live show in Texas brought their VR rig with them. And not only brought their VR rig, but also brought their racing wheel and pedal and everything else set up. Legend. Because uh, he, he drove to the show and had a hotel room. And I had to stop in and check it out. And I will say, using the wheel in VR, I've never been able to do that before. Other than maybe like, you know, uh, uh, PAX or E3 or something like that. I can't 100% remember if I even did. But using the wheel in VR is awesome. And the eye tracking is not super heavy in GT7, obviously. But you could... Like I did the setup for it and everything, and I could kind of feel it uh, a little bit in the game with the focusing. Um, so that was really cool. It was a really cool experience. But I mean, literally, I played five minutes of VR two, a PSVR two, and I played a, a you know racing game, which was awesome. And I played with a wheel, which I've never done in VR, which was awesome. But other than that, I haven't played anything <laughs> since last time we recorded. And I hope to fix that this week, but I just haven't even been home. So. Yeah. So who, uh, Dave? You go next. Uh, sure. I, so I put a couple more hours into Persona 5 Royal and, uh, just kind of decided that, you know, I'm glad I tried it, but this is not for me. Mm. Um, good game really, as I said it, I I love the music and, and the style is all there and stuff, but I think it was just a little bit too much exposition for me. Yeah. Um, and I know that's, that's the kind of game it is. So, um, I like Japanese games, but I think when it comes to this, I'm more of a Yakuza kind of person rather mm-hmm. than a Persona. But um, my my resolution was to play a Persona game, and I've satisfied that. I didn't say I was going to beat it. <laughs> there you go. Um, but I was very Got clear him. on that. So that's a feat, though. Um, so don't so, feel bad. Um, but I've spent most of my time this week uh, playing Dishonored Two. There you um, go. Funny enough, yeah. I I played Dishonored one on Game Pass last year, and uh, I really really liked it. And I've I've taken an interest into Arcane, uh, Arcane's past library, um, and uh, yeah, I wanted to check out the second game in the series, and and it's good. It's it's more Dishonored. It's um, it's it it's got a whole new setting, uh, and I knew I was going to forget the name of it, but if Dunwall, which was the setting from the first game, was kind of like a steampunk England. This this setting of Dishonored 2 is sort of like a steampunk um, southern Italy. Like it's a lot more bright and it's a lot more beachy. And and uh, yeah, so it's, it's cool. Um, you get some new abilities. You can play as either um, Corvo, so the, the protagonist from the first game, or um, Emily. Uh, so I chose to play as Emily just because I wanted a bit of a new experience. I think... All of the abilities are the same. Correct me if I'm wrong. If 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 that isn't the case, I can't remember if they are not. They're yeah. not. Yeah. Well, I mean, this this. Do you mean do you mean you know, Cor- Corvo's abilities or Emily's? 
uh, are, are, do you get a different set of abilities if you play as Corvo rather than Emily? Yes. You do. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I've only played a little bit of Dishonored 2, but I'm pretty sure the kit is almost identical to the first game. And so the entire draw for most people, like you can have that original experience, but Emily is like the newness to the game. That's that new new. That's yeah. good. That's, you know, I, I wanted a bit of a different experience. And just narratively, it felt like it made more sense to play as her. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, it the level, you, Arcane's best known for, in my opinion, their level design. And um, it's, it's more of the same. It doesn't feel that much bigger, more expansive. And I think that's a good thing because Dishonored 1 really kind of nailed it. I will say that the... It feels a lot harder. Um, I feel like enemies, like if they see a pixel of your shadow behind something, <laughs> they're in full alert mode. And I'm playing on normal difficulty. Um, another cool thing to point out about this game is like, rather than just easy, medium, hard, all of the difficulty options are like, there's a bunch um, that you can kind of play with in terms of enemy AI, funny enough, because we're talking about that. But <laughs> yeah, I'm finding it a lot harder. Um, it's still really rewarding. You got to save scum quite a bit. But once you do kind of find an optimal way through a level, um, it's good. I, it, I do kind of have a bone to pick with these games, not sort of Dishonored, but more like I wish stealth games would just stop trying to pretend like they're anything other than stealth games. So there's been this thing where it's like, you know, it's not exclusively a stealth game, but more you can play any way you want. So if you want to go guns blazing, you can do that. And it's like, you don't actually mean that because you literally gave me four bullets in this level. <laughs> and if I get shot twice, I'm dead. And right. when the level finishes and there's like a stat screen, like all of the KPIs are driven by like how many alerts I had or how many bodies were found and that kind of stuff. So I really just wish stealth games would just, just be stealth games. Stop trying to be more than that. Yeah. Um, but anyways, that's the way I play these kind of games. But yeah, Dishonored 2, I'm having a really good time with it. Played a little bit more of Hogwarts, but I have nothing new to add to that. Still loving the game. So over nice. to you, Brandon. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I haven't... <laughs> I played a bit. Um, I've been in a, in a, in a weird spot. Um, I've played some more Hogwarts. I think I'm at the end half of my journey. Um yeah, I, I've said all I need to say about this game. Still really enjoying it. I probably will go for the Platinum just based off of how much work I've put into the map already. Um, I think it would make sense for me to kind of follow through, um, as it were. Do you mind uh, if I ask it? I, I assume you've done some research. Is the Platinum like just a completionist thing or is uh, it skill-based? It's completionist, plus you have to play about two hours of each house. Interesting. Yeah. It's, oh, really? I didn't realize that. Yeah. Okay. So pretty much you can get the platinum with uh, basically getting everything in the game, doing all everything in the game. Um, plus, if you're like I'm Slytherin, I'd have to go and start the game over as each different house. And there's a point you have to get to, uh, which is if you mainline it. About yeah. Two was, hours. Yeah. So that doesn't seem super unobtainable for me. I, I don't love the whole starting a new game for a platinum, yeah. but I have dipped my toes into games that have lightly done that where you don't have to play the full right experience. So I figure if I get through, if I can get all the trophies and some of them are still bugged, but if I can get all the trophies by the time I'm done with my main playthrough, then I'll just, yeah, I'll happily jump yeah. in and do the other one. Yeah. It'll be easy at that point. So, right. um, 
yeah, kind of looking forward to that. I did hop into Call of Duty a bit for season two. Um, that was an interesting experience. Uh, I don't know really how to feel about this game because I was so high on it. Yeah. Um, but I've recently, and it's not just because it's not new. I want to make that perfectly clear because it probably seems that way to someone who doesn't know me. But even the new stuff, like they're making changes to the game. They've made changes to season two and they've already retconned some of the shit that they've changed. I just am finding it very difficult to, as someone who is also interested in other things, to kind of keep up with it mm. because they literally change it so often. And not, not the type of change I like, not the new content, the new challenges, the new events, which they do have. I'm going to be fair to them for that. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just can be kind of frustrating sometimes, especially in a game like Warzone when um, you just feel like you're starting to feel out a meta and then they fucking tank everything and i guess the idea is to never have a meta like that's the perfect world to have every gun be viable um but that never has been the case and until that's the case um people are going to gravitate towards the stuff that works better uh, and when you change that around every couple weeks um or every couple months uh it just it's 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 kind of jarring um i still think they're struggling in a lot of ways um and there's been a lot of rumors we haven't talked about it but there's been a lot of rumors uh circulating about what actually is going to happen to call of duty this year so we shall see um it's going to be an interesting year for duty as they continue to uh claw and scratch uh to <laughs> return their uh player base back to what it used to be yeah. um so we'll see but that's about it honestly so cool well i think that's about it for the show then yeah kind of a weird week like yeah. I said at the very beginning, there's a lot of stuff to talk about, but it's weird because I just don't care about any of it. <laughs> right. Like, that's so unusual. Yeah. But here it is, and we talked about it, and now it's done. You know what else can be done? Your sign up to the Patreon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Patreon.com slash Handsome Phantom. <laughs> Come join us for as little as a dollar a month. You get ad free early access to the show. We appreciate your help over there. And, of course, you can join the Discord. Hang out with us there. HandsomePhantom.com slash Discord. We appreciate it. And until next week, we'll see you later. The HP Podcast is brought to you by our patrons over at patreon.com slash handsome phantom. Thanks to our producers, Grabalicious, Christian Snow, Rainick, Chris Bylock, Derek O, Nuke Dukum, Brian Parrott, Htrons, Maurice Bays, Passive Pixels, Edwin Castillo, Boots, Poot, Jared, Josh Cummings, Edward Walton, Charles Peterson, Toby Ryland, Wormhat. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.